Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of It's Not All Rainbows. I'm your host, Lindsay Goodman, and if you don't know me, I am a certified trauma recovery coach, and I'm a survivor of narcissistic abuse in a queer relationship. I'm here to help support and validate those who are or have been in my shoes and to help spread awareness of what these kinds of relationships can look like. Today, this is going to look a little different because I am interviewing someone who I had the pleasure to meet a few weeks ago in Austin, Texas at the NARC Avengers meet and greet and Q&A session and all the fun things we did there. I was, I met a lot of amazing people and I was just having this conversation and I said, hey, you're coming on the podcast and now here we are. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Natalia, and I am a student in Austin currently. I um, am half Polish, half American, and I moved to the U.S. about five years ago, and I myself have been in a narcissistic relationship, and I got out of it this past April, and yeah, I'm here to talk about all that and help with what Lindsay talks about, so. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I know I kind of asked you out of the blue. We were just standing there talking and I was like, <laughs> you got to come on the podcast. <laughs> I was so excited. I was such an honor and I'm so happy to be here. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Awesome. Um, so we're going to just dive right in. And the first question that I came up with today, yeah, I did come up with questions beforehand because if you are a regular listener, normally I'm just winging it. Um, tell us how your relationship started. All right. So from, and I don't mean to like generalize, I feel like something I've noticed with like consuming a lot of content about this, like, and everything is my relationship did feel a little different in terms of the way it started. It wasn't like they were a stranger. And then we just got to know each other super fast. And it started from there. Um, Oh, but I do feel that I should mention it was a queer relationship. Um, So we met um, a year and a half prior to dating. Um, and we were co-workers and at the time they were actually with someone else that I knew very well um, and so we started off as friends and I remember very early on into like the friendship with both of them I felt kind of like I was sort of wrapped into their relationship as well very strange um, and then I kind of fell out of my friendship with their significant other and so really when it started I was in a very vulnerable place in my life it was winter of 2021 and my first girlfriend from like years prior had um we had considered getting together and she then told me that I would like never make her happy and like listed all these reasons for why and so after about a month, I like really internalized all of those things. And I told myself that I was feeling better. But I think all of those reasons that someone would never be like happy with me, really like just sticking. And at the time when I was friends with my abuser, and at the time friend, um, I wrote them and I was like, you know, I'm really upset, like she really hurt my feelings and said all these things about it. And 
it's unfortunate because I think that in that year and a half that my visa knew me, they really took that advantage of the moment that this was the most vulnerable I'd ever been. And so I remember distinctly getting a text of like, I don't know how anyone could ever say that, like anyone would be so lucky to have you and all these things. And so I kind of hung on to that and we started talking more and it was also at a very convenient timing because they were discarding their old supply. And so it was, you know, it all worked out in that sense. And then three weeks later we started dating and it was a little faster than I expected. Um, she asked me to be her girlfriend the night after our first date. And I was so sorry, so excited to be with like someone that had claimed to like be so excited to be with me. Um, and then something that I think is really interesting and in that I can actually segue into the second question pretty easily from that is our relationship was weird at the beginning because we spent those three weeks talking and then about a day after I want to say she asked me to be her girlfriend I got very sick and I was in bed with tonsillitis for a month and so I think that unfortunately sped along the process of the abuse because I wasn't there to like be in like a very like in close contact and so I think you know she tried to play like this supportive girlfriend role the entire first month that I was in bed and couldn't see her um but I think that got kind of frustrating because here she like had me as her girlfriend now and I couldn't see her and so once we started seeing each other in person again um it was about a month and a half after we had like officially started dating um we had our first fight and so I guess I would say that your question was what were the first signs of abuse and at the time I had no idea that that's what was going on um but she started a fight with me over something very very trivial and um I remember sitting in her car and she said um I don't know if this is the right thing like I don't know if we should be together and I had just said something about wanting to spend that night by myself and I needed some alone time and you know I thought that was healthy and it was also so shocking because I had been in two, I think it's important to note, I had been in two queer relationships prior to this one. And so, and I would say that even though I was pretty young, they were relatively healthy. Um, and so it was so crazy to be next to someone who claimed to be wanting to be with me so badly and to hear them say, I don't think this is right during the first fight. I was like, this is so strange. Like no one has ever broken up with me over like a small fight. And, you know, I was begging her to understand me and like, forgive me. And I was so sorry. And I would never do that again. And so very quickly, she planted the seed of like, I was not supposed to have alone time. Because if I did, that was me basically prioritizing myself and other things over her. And it was very convincing. And those big fights happened, I want to say four times in the span of a month. So probably one about a week, again, over something. One time I made plans with friends. Um, on the same day that I made plans with her and I thought that was okay I thought I could split my day between two groups but apparently not um, and she did not we weren't together at the, like physically together at the time and she did not pick up my phone calls and she was texting me and saying like I really need to think about us being together and I really am regretting this and then um, our fourth fight happened and then it was the worst one and I remember to this day I was at home and I called her nine or ten times she did not pick up she did not respond to any of my texts she did write me I'm done and again it was something not that big I probably couldn't even tell you what it was at this point point. and um then 
she called me back and I really blocked out the fact that she said this, but I remember she called me back and the first thing she said was, I didn't answer any of your phone calls because I needed you to calm down. And I remember being so shocked because I was like, you just broke up with me. So yeah, I'm a little bit upset, um, but you know, I chose to ignore it. And a day after we met up and I, she, you know, we made it, everything was fine. We were back together. And the next day I told her, if you ever do that again, I will not beg for you back. And looking back, I wish, of course, I didn't know any better, but I wish I hadn't said that because she used it to her advantage for the entire year after. And so after every single fight, she would say, I, I'm not breaking up with you. I'm still here as we were fighting and as she was being abusive. And I was, there would be times where I would wish that she just would do it again. And I, because now I couldn't get out. And so that was really, really bad. Um, and then a few months later, I moved um, to Austin because we didn't live in Austin at the time. And so we were going to be long distance. And all summer, that was something that we'd had a lot of fights about. And looking back, I think that she was possibly trying to discard me in the time, but I kind of didn't let her because she would constantly say that I'm going to find someone else while I'm in Austin and I'm assuming this meant that she probably found someone else to have while I was here because we were going to be long distance um and it may have been her old supply for a while um looking back but so I moved and everything she was all excited for me and everything was great and then I we got into and this is kind of like my final step of like how I realized that the abuse was starting um my roommate's I was very nervous to tell them that I was gay and they were very excited um, like that I felt comfortable sharing that and so they threw me this giant coming out party and it was very sweet. Um, it was a complete surprise and I remember texting my girlfriend at the time. I was like, I'm so confused. Like they just led me on this whole scavenger hunt. Like now I'm in my room and they're like preparing something in the living room and I have to get ready and I'm not supposed to come out until they tell me. And she was being very weird and being like, that's weird, like have fun. Um, and then the last thing that happened was she went to bed and I texted her that I'll like keep her updated. We never left the apartment. We partied in our living room for the entire night. I texted her at 2 a.m. I said, I had so much fun. Like I'm headed to bed now. I hope you have a good morning at work. I didn't hear from her for almost 20 hours after that. And I did not know why. I kept texting her. I said, I hope you're okay. I hope work is going well. And finally, the text I received was, I'm pretty frustrated. And I didn't know why. And she started a massive fight about how I didn't keep her updated enough because I could have gone out. I could have gotten into an accident. Something could have happened because we were drinking. And I was so confused. And I remember telling my friends, she's so mad at me because I didn't tell her that we stayed in the living room the entire time. I had supposed to have kept her updated about that. And now looking back, I know full and well that she was just upset that someone else had me have a good time. Um, and I remember my friends being like, this is weird. I'm like, this is not okay. And she should be really happy for you because this is something so special to you. And you had such a good time and it really changed the experience. And now a year later, I'm able to you know, look back and be so grateful. And I did have such a good time. Um, but it, she did her very best to ruin it. And from that moment on, I never really told any of my friends how bad it was, um, every time that we fought, because I knew that something was off. I just couldn't figure out what, so, and that's to those two questions.
Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get to this, like, like you, your, your friends were on to her, mm-hmm. were on to the situation and then you backpedal because mm-hmm. you're still with her and you're like, you know, this is still happening. So now I have to downplay and protect her and protect the relationship. And like, it's not even a conscious decision. You're just like, mm-hmm. it, it's just like this thing in your brain's like switch. We're not talking about this anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if we do, it's, Oh, you know, excuses or like, yeah. oh, no, she's just going through a hard time or mm-hmm. her parents never taught her how to whatever. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I had the, she just has some anger issues. She's in therapy. Like, you know, we're finding ways to work through our fights um, because that was a big thing was actually just going off of that. She did a very good job. Um, and we talked about this when we, were, when we met. She knew my insecurities going into the relationship and she knew because we had been friends for so long and she had witnessed me be in different relationships and seen what how people mistreated me and she really used that to her advantage every time we fought because it would be kind of a situation where like I would um trying to think like she what was the fight so in December it was one of our like final huge fights and she what did I do I can't remember I was oh I know I got a root (laughs) I got a root canal I'm sorry I like really had to think about that one and she I told her that I didn't feel like she had been that supportive and like everyone else was like because I was very nervous about it and she was very mad that I told her that she wasn't like being supportive enough for, of me and she this was she used this in more fights but I remember very distinctly during that fight she was like just because everyone else in your prior relationships made you feel a certain way doesn't mean I'm doing that and like you really need to go to therapy and work that out because you use all of those insecurities against me when like I don't do that and I'm here for you and it's really frustrating that it feels like I can never like do enough for you and so she was so good at convincing me that I really did have issues and so when I did tell my other friends about like or when I would even tell them a little bit about everything um she would like I I would say you know I I'm the one who needs to work on this like I really am so anxious like I'm so insecure like she's right I really need to go to therapy because I guess my other relationships like messed me up more than I knew and I just couldn't ever process that she was actually just like you know projecting and really the one who was causing me to feel that way and that was just so confusing so yeah I know we already talked and like I know that we like again you shared so much with me when we met in person and Mm -hmm. even still like listening to you talk I'm so just like our stories are so similar (laughs) it's eerie like (laughs) talk about this all day and just be like yeah we like and a lot of people will say that to me too whether queer or not it's did we date the same person and it's Mm -hmm. kind of a joke but it's also not a joke because yeah so you know, they're not all the same. And obviously we have different insecurities and different backgrounds, but it's all the same tactics. Yeah. And it's just crazy because I don't know. I just felt so like it was so convincing. And then I'm, I'm going to jump to another question if that's okay. Um, Because you said, how did I realize that I was being abused? And so 
you know, I always knew during all this time that something was a little off because like I said, I had had more like healthy relationships and I knew that maybe I felt different. And I tried to tell myself that I was just like more in love than ever before. And so I, you know, it was, there was more at stake. I was more emotional and there was just, I really didn't want to lose her and all these things. And then around March of 2022, this year, um, I fell into this very weird place that I hadn't been in in years. I was very depressed. I was isolating myself from all my roommates and um, they could tell something was wrong. And I, we hadn't fought since that Christmas fight that I told you about the root canal. And I knew that there was something coming. I knew that there was a very big fight like on the horizon. And because so kind of to backstory. So I moved to Austin um, and I was still partially working at my old job where we had met. Um, so I was like seasonal. And so spring break was coming up and I knew I was going to go back there and work with her for the entire week. And I knew that there was going to be a fight that week. And I was so depressed that entire month. And I just remember thinking like, I almost hope this fight happens at the end of spring break so that I can end it, go back to Austin and never see her again. And I was so nervous and we had a fight two days into spring break. Um, but it happened so quickly and I knew the moment I said something and it was funny. Um, looking back, I think it's, I tell people this story now and it's, I can laugh about it because, you know, we say like they have temper tantrums and it really essentially was like, I had been talking to a five-year-old because I made a joke. There was like this whole money situation at work and I, we were going to have dinner that night after work and she was about to leave early and I could have but I also could have stayed and made some more money and I was like you know like I'll leave like if you just like give me the money for the half an hour like literally just a harmless joke that when I told my friends they were like that's kind of funny her face I knew in that moment I was done like I knew I was done for the moment I said it and in front of everyone she said well then maybe I just won't visit you for our anniversary nothing even related and I just remember being so embarrassed because everyone else heard it and I didn't know what I did to warrant such an extreme response and I went to the bathroom and I got my phone she had said I'm leaving and we've been talking about getting dinner that night for like two days and I was like no like I'm ready to go like I just realized we have nothing I have nothing else to do like it's fine she was like no I'm, I'm done and I went down to the parking lot her car was gone um she had got, like left that quickly she called me back about 30 minutes later and went on a whole tangent about how I never care enough. I am using her for money, just like her old supply. I do like, she is so tired of feeling like I, she's not a real person to me and all these things. And then I ended up going to her place because she was like, we need to talk about this in person. And I kept telling myself, you have to end it when you get there. Like you can't go on with this. And this is, like definitely was our scariest fight and I do think it's important I mean to talk about she I looked her in the eyes and I was saying like I just don't think this is working anymore and she I had never seen her look at me like this before and she said if you walk out that door I will never look at you again I will never speak to you again and I will never take you back and it was such an intense threat it was like the first time that I felt very scared for like just my well-being like truly in that moment and I knew that I couldn't do it um and she knew that I wouldn't um you know and so I stayed we worked it out quote unquote and 
you know, we hugged and everything. And I remember in that hug thinking, this cannot last much longer. I can't do it. And after spring break, conveniently, I've heard a lot that this is something that happens. She got very sick um, the day after that fight so that I felt like I had to, um, you know, nurse her back to health, be there for her. And she was all like, you're such a good girlfriend. You take such good care of me. Like everyone admires that, you know, right after telling me that I was the worst girlfriend ever. Um, And then my best friend told me about a therapist that I could potentially afford about a week after. And I was like, I need this. I signed up for it. And I told the therapist, like, this is a situation I'm in. I really need help. Like, I need to get out of this relationship. And this is going to your question of how did I finally end it? And I remember her saying, you know, because, okay, back again, backstory. She was going to visit me the week after to celebrate our one year anniversary. And I told my therapist, she's going to be with me for eight days straight. And I don't know how I'm going to handle it. And my therapist was like, if you can go on a walk maybe in the morning, you know, and call me, we can just like, see how you're doing, like get you through the week. And I remember in this moment, I realized how bad it was because I said, she's not going to let me go on a walk by myself. Like I'm not going to have a single second by myself for this next week. And, you know, we decided that whenever she left, I'd call my therapist back. And the first four days were fantastic. We went on so many dates, like she was so sweet. Um, we went out for dinner the very next morning after our anniversary. It was like, she was a totally different person. She was so cold, so distant. It was like, not even my girlfriend anymore. And for the first time in a year, I did not let myself like ask about it. And I remember sitting at breakfast the next day and she was not speaking to me. And I was so anxious and I kept telling myself, you need to use this to your advantage because this is going to help you detach. And she asked me about a day after she was like, are you okay? Like you seem so like cold and she could catch that I was distancing myself. And I think it made her really nervous because she went back home and that following week, she was the most lovey-dovey love bombing that she had been in an entire year. The texts that I was receiving were scaring me because she had not spoken to me like that in so long long letters of confession of how much she valued me and this time she was going to finally stop talking to her old supply and she was done and she wanted to spend the rest of her life with me and then one I remember so clearly the Sunday before I broke up with her she called me she talked about her old supply for 30 minutes straight um I didn't know what to say you know I just sat there and I was like I'm gonna keep using this as fuel to end this And I called my therapist right after and I was like, I can't be in this for many more days or I'm going to lose my mind. And so I'm very grateful. My therapist said, if we're going to, you know, approach this like school, you're a student, you have projects, you have finals that you've been studying for, and then you have a deadline. So when's our deadline? And we set a time. We always FaceTimed every Wednesday and I called her. And the moment I started talking, she flipped a switch and I knew in my heart that for the sake of like it going as smoothly as it could, I wasn't going to start like saying like, you're abusive, like you've, I approached it from a, this is the way we fight. It's not healthy. It's making me very depressed and I can't be in this relationship anymore. And I think it's funny. She instantly started crying and she had told me a year prior, the first time I ever cried in front of her during a fight, she said, crying makes me feel like you're manipulating me. And so in that moment, I was like, okay, so we're crying now. And I've never seen you cry before. So seems like you're manipulating me. 
and I stood my ground. She conveniently bought a cake and flowers and sent them to my apartment that day, which she had never done in an entire year. She must have known it was she said to me. I knew this was going to happen. I knew since spring break, you were going to break up with me. So she basically admitted to the fact that she had spent two weeks trying to keep me just like in it. Um, and I just stood my ground. I knew that if I tried to go back, it would be worse than ever before. Um, and as she always did, she hung up on me when she was, when she got too mad and she tried to call me again, 10 minutes later. And I did not pick up and she was like, please let me talk to you. And I said, you lost your chance. I gave you one call. You chose to end the conversation and I will only accept texts. And we did not speak for four days after that. And then she texted me and she was like, please, let's talk. After about a fight, after about an hour fighting over text, I eventually called her. We talked for three hours, fought, talked. And I think that what's interesting is I was so nervous for this. And a lot of my friends were saying, don't do it. Um, but I kind of, for some reason, I knew that it was something that I would need. And I don't regret it for a single second because in that three hours, it was the most hot and cold I had ever seen her before. She, because it used to be like, you know, a week of good and then a week of bad. In this conversation, it would be five minutes of you're the love of my life. Like, let's stay friends. I need you. Like, please, like, I just need you to be in my life in some way. Like, I'll get better for you. I'll go to more therapy. And then as soon as I would sit there and be like, no, she would instantly be like, I can't believe you. You are absolutely the worst. Like, I never want to speak to you again like you are you are going to go off and be someone next week and I'm actually going to sit here and feel the hurt because I'm losing you and you never loved me because you don't feel like we should fight for this relationship and seeing that was so eye-opening in that moment that I knew that I had made the right decision and I stood my ground and we said goodbye and I haven't spoken to her since that is so. The end is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> None of the rest of it was. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, I think that the, like what you said about like, you know, your friends are like, don't do that conversation. But I think as, you know, when we're in these relationships, um, cause I also had not the same, but that moment of, I'm going to lean into this because this is really showing me what I've been learning about. And like you said, like sort of realizing like, I'm going to distance myself now. I'm going to use this to my advantage because you're starting to really learn about what's going on. And then you have that end where it's like, uh, what did I say? It was like, they were giving me the, I don't know, the icing on the cake or something where you're like, I've got this whole cake now and you just gave me the icing. So now it's done. Mm -hmm. Now it's fully like the whole picture is there. Or like that last puzzle piece where you're like, if I needed any more proof, I mm-hmm. just handed it to me because exactly. I don't know, like when we as survivors, when we actually do leave, we've been leaving you. Like we've been knowing mm-hmm. and they, they don't know, like they, they know that we're pulling away and they start to do those, mm-hmm. the breadcrumbing and the, the they re-up the love bombing program and all of that stuff. So they see that we're mm-hmm. distancing ourselves but they don't, it was either Lee Hammock or Ben Taylor that said they never think we'll leave because they are so like, they know that we have been so hooked on them. They don't mm-hmm. think we ever actually will get to that point. So I do, yeah. I do think that it's amazing that both of us, and I'm sure other people listening are going to be like, oh yeah, I did do that where you leaned into that discomfort and you're like, this is horrible. I don't want to do this, mm-hmm. but that yes. really helps. It, it was like, go ahead. 
Yeah, I was going to say it was, I say it all the time, it was exactly the closure I needed. And I know people say a lot that you don't, you can't really get closure with a narcissist, but I know it's the best thing that I could have gotten because everything that I had read about, watched about, like everything she had given to me in that three hour conversation. And so there was no denying it at that point. And I knew that I could never go back. And that was, it was really helpful in that sense. But yeah, something that I'm I'm kind of already changing the topic, but I do think it's important because you asked me a question and I was thinking a lot about this, about what was something I noticed happening that I didn't realize was abuse. And then this is an important part, something subtle or something that society views as normal in relationships. And this is something that I've noticed from my childhood. And I think just with people. And so I think that's why it was so hard for me to notice in my relationship was, I think as a society, we really normalized being mean as a joke. Um, And I remember being a kid and like on the playground, kids being like mean and being like, I'm just joking, you know, when you're like seven. And I'm like, but I didn't laugh. So I don't really know why that's funny. And she, what was really difficult in my relationship was that she was known in our workplace with people in her life as a very sarcastic that was her personality she was kind of you know like kind of dry but like funny and people like really like loved that like just really like that's really the best I can describe it and so very early on she would say something that wasn't outright mean but it would just be like poking a little fun at like something I said and the first time she said it she said I'm just messing with you. You know, like you signed up for this when you started dating me. Like, you know me, like this is how I am, you know, and I let it slide. And I've also been always told my entire life that I'm very sensitive and very emotional. And so, you know, I took that upon myself that that was my fault. And over the year, it would get so intense of her poking fun at everything. Like we couldn't go a day without me saying something that she would be like, it wouldn't even be like making fun of. She would just kind of like, do this like I can't really figure out a way to describe it but she would just say something in a way that then she would always complete it with I'm just messing with you that's what you signed up for and it got to the point where I would genuinely have to question I would sit there and I'd be like did I sign a document at the beginning of this relationship remember it was so mind-blowing that she was just so consistent with saying that statement that I'd be like I don't think you really sign up for anything in a relationship I agreed to like you know, have a healthy relationship with you. And now because I signed up to be with you, you feel the right to treat me a certain way. And I felt like I could never say no because I signed up for it. And if I did, I was being too sensitive. And that was what actually led to our, um, that big fight in December when with the root canal was I basically told her that the way she texts me feels very insensitive and she was like you signed up for this you knew that I'm not very like emotional and I'm very dry and like I've always everyone in my family has always known that whoever I date has to be okay with my like dry tone and like that's on you like you need to reevaluate and you need to be okay with the fact that that's why I am and if you're not you don't love me because you know that that's me as a person and that's not fair and so again I felt crazy for it and I think that that's definitely something that I've realized I I don't let it slide anymore. People like jokes that are actually being mean disguised as jokes. I just don't have time for and I will cut off because I just don't think like it's necessary. And I truly I'm like, if you think that's a sense of humor, then I need you to get a better sense of humor 
because it's so easy to disguise abuse. And I think we've normalized that so much. And that was made it so hard for me to realize that what she was doing was slowly like eating away at my self-confidence. Yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure. And I'm sure there's like so many things like that. Like what you just mentioned is exactly what I said in the question, something that we feel like it's been normalized. And if you tell someone Mm -hmm. that, well, now you just shared this and I'm sure everyone listening is like, oh my gosh, yeah. But if you go and you're like to your friend, like, yeah, well, they're always sarcastic. Like most people are going to be like, a lot of people are, you know? Yeah. These little things that, you know, we just think it's normal Mm -hmm. and it's not. Yeah. Okay. And she would do it in front of other people all the time. And, you know, I'd even hear other people laugh. And I remember this is such a, this is the only one that I can truly remember to such an extent was it was the week that she was visiting me and I knew I needed to break up with her. And I, um, my roommate was making barbecue chicken and potatoes for dinner. And I didn't know that it was barbecue chicken. And I was like, oh, what are you having for dinner? We were all in the kitchen. And she was like, meat and potatoes. And I was like, oh, haha, like, that's so funny. That's so like Polish of you because I'm from Poland. You know, we, all we eat is meat and potatoes. I was just joking. And my ex said, yeah, because she totally got barbecue meat to be Polish. And it was such a subtle thing that everyone kind of giggled at. And I could see through that what she was trying to say was you are so stupid. And why would you even say something like that? And it had never caught on until that moment and I just remember looking at her and being like I'm so tired of being spoken to like this but no one saw a problem with it because it's so subtle Mm -hmm. and yeah that's um that's a really good example of the dog whistling where Mm -hmm. I don't know yeah you know where they'll say something I just I just made a couple of little you know videos about this and one of mine was the hair this hair I never wear my hair like this but Mm -hmm. it's you know, in front of other people, can you put it in a bun? Cause you look better that way. Just something that where you're like, oh my gosh, that was a job. Mm-hmm. That was a job. Cause mm-hmm. they know like, I don't like my hair or because I, whatever it is. And they're making you look stupid, feel stupid, whatever. But everyone else is like, that's fine. That's a normal interaction. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, so we're sitting here and we have like, we don't know if we're getting cut off at 40 minutes or not, because I don't really know how to use zoom. (laughs) So just in case we do, if it doesn't, we can keep going all the way, but I wanted to add a sneaky little question. And then I think we have one more we haven't gotten to because I think a lot of people who like, if they're still Mm -hmm. in it or even if they're not, but maybe they Mm -hmm. haven't, Hopefully no one's comparing, but maybe they're like, why is she doing so well? Like, I don't even still know and understand what happened. What are some of the resources that helped you the most? To, like listening to you talk, like you're, you know, exactly like you have so much clarity on this. Mm-hmm. Situation. So what helped you? Um, I'm trying to think I found Lee Hammock's TikToks um, around the time that I realized that things were being a little like I was getting really depressed. Um, and I remember watching one of them and thinking, that's how she acts during our fights. And there's a lot of his TikToks that I don't relate to. And I can say that honestly, it was it was sometimes difficult because I would tell myself like, but she doesn't act like that. Like she like as an example of his um, he talks a lot about how like 
he does his like little like kind of like role play videos where he'll be like you look so terrible in that dress like go put something else on like you've gained so much weight she never in the entire year made a negative comment about my appearance ever and so I would tell myself like you know but at least she like is always complimenting me so maybe she's not so mean or there's something like seriously wrong um but it was just little things and then I this is so random. I found a book and I wish I remembered, but the week that she was visiting me and I started feeling that things were off, I looked up books about narcissism in my local library and I read it in bed next to her on my phone. And I remember thinking that so much of it resonated with me in the way that she interacted with me. Um, and then I started finding, I found your TikTok account, if I'm being honest, um, that's something that helped me a lot. I'm trying to think and just being exposed to all of like the media with like everyone in the Narc Avengers and all of that. And I feel like I have more resources, but I really don't know. You know, I would honestly even just Google like why like signs of narcissistic abuse in a relationship. And I think the hardest thing for me was having to like be able to realize that just because she didn't do certain things didn't mean that it wasn't a problem because like I said she would never say mean things about my parents but she would also not call me back for 12 hours and give me the silent treatment every time I did something to make her mad she would make me like cry and sob and like all the time in front of her and have absolutely no emotion about it she would make me sad to the point where my friends would be like why are you sad all the time and I'm like I'm claiming that I'm in the happiest relationship of my life, but my friends hate seeing me cry. Like it was just having, being able to realize that it doesn't have to check off every box, but it, if, as long if you're not happy and there's something wrong, then it's not like you shouldn't have to be in that relationship. And I wish I could think of more resources at the time, but I don't think I can right off the top of my head other than that, but really consuming a lot of content about other people's experiences made me feel so much less alone and like and not to easier to acknowledge that something was definitely up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I was the same. Um, I I did the same thing as well as you did. And I think that's important to acknowledge too, is like until you get to that tipping point of accepting what's going on, you are still looking for ways that it's not. It can't be that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's, of course, you know, you're in the trauma bond. You don't like, we project as well. And we project Mm -hmm. goodness more than they really possess onto them. And so I can change and I can grow Mm -hmm. and I can be aware of what I'm doing to you. Cause when we're in these relationships, we're not angels either. Like we, we become Mm -hmm. more like them because we're in the, we're sucked into these 10 hour arguments. And like, you're probably not going to be the kindest person after 10 hours of, you don't even know what the argument's about, right? exactly uh, but so so glad we're not there anymore but oh, I think for me because I also found Lee Hammock and then also found other people um mm-hmm. and a lot of people had said that about my content as well is hearing it from someone who lived it versus a google like because I would google and be like nah, no can't be that because they said yeah. sorry one time, so can't be that, you know, who, who could admit that they said sorry to be manipulative, right? Like, but it is like seeing mm-hmm. someone share their story and the little yes. nuances that come with that versus reading that little blurb that Google gives you and you're like, oh yeah. So that's why it's so important that we talk about it. And that's why I'm so yeah. grateful that you're here because this is, I mean, 
people are going to listen to this and or watch this on YouTube mm-hmm. and be like, you know, because I'm just one person and your story <laughs> is so important. Thank you. So on that note, um, after all of that, yes. Do you? Yeah, last question. Mm-hmm. You got it? Yes, I was going to say, because obviously something we talked about when we met up was the whole abuse and queer relationships. And I think we need to talk about that a lot more. And I'm so glad we've been able to have those conversations. And so your question is, what's something I want to tell other young queer people about dating? And truly, and we talked about this, and it's been really resonating with me because I've known so many people that have done this, especially in the lesbian community, is just the U-Hauling. It is so problematic, and we need truly to, like, create a new culture. And I've been talking to a lot of my queer friends about it, and it's hard because we don't really have role models for what a healthy, long-term queer relationship looks like. And so we've created this culture that, you know, as women, it's normal to be so attached and be so quickly in love. And healthy relationships doesn't mean that that works for everyone. And by normalizing it, it's so interesting. And what did it? Are you still okay? Can you hear me? Oh. Um, oh, you're frozen. Oh, oh no. no, go figure. Try to you're frozen too. I know. Okay, I, I think it works now. You're moving. Am I? Moving? You're starting to move. Here, I can. Okay. Wait. All right. Okay. I. Okay. Perfect. I really hope I get to talk about this. Um. <laughs> sorry. So okay, you uh, are still because frozen. of that. Like, on the screen but your audio is oh, good. so you go okay. ahead and say what you're gonna say we're gonna get this okay. out there <laughs> okay. yeah <laughs> so like I said I had been in pretty healthy relationships before this one and so that was very confusing because I would tell myself like I feel like this is moving at a relatively like similar pace you know like those worked out so why wouldn't this one and it's just hard because we you know it shouldn't have ever been something that I was like, this is normal. She said, I love you so quickly and that I was very alarmed. And my, what I want to tell people is that like you said to me, and I have people in my life that really need to hear this. If you found someone that is right for you, like you said, you have forever with them. And there is no need to be spending 72 hours straight all the time, like without a break, constantly attached, moving in two weeks later if they actually value you as a person and like see you as a real human and want to be with you taking time apart and then like making sure you also make time for each other will be so much healthier and like for the entire relationship and for yourself than just rushing it and I really hope that we see this stop because it's to me like now that I've been out of it and I don't plan on dating for a while I'm like whoever is next I need you to know that I am my own person and I'm allowed to have my alone time and have my own life and if I care about you I will make time for you but you don't need to be like glued it to my body at all times because that's not working out for like that's not gonna work out for anybody and I feel like I'm all over the place with this answer because I'm just so I know too many people that have done this and think it's okay and it's very now painful to witness after what I've been through and I just need it to become more normal. And I also need people to, people need to be open to hearing this 
And you said that, like, if we have these conversations about saying that U-Hauling is toxic, we get a lot of backlash because it's been so normalized and nothing can change ever in society in general if people aren't open to at least listening. And, you know, I don't need people to agree with us right away, but I need them to at least like digest the information we're saying about this. And that's just one one thing I know for a fact that there is so much you the right person will give you time and there's no need to be rushing it and I don't know maybe you have more to add to that I feel like I was all over with that answer but no that was that was perfect that's you you said what you wanted to say and you said it with passion and (laughs) absolutely Mm -hmm. um I feel like, like I said with you, and I'm not trying to like project and be like, you're going to change the world. But like, I saw like when you were talking, I was like, I said this to you. I'm like, you are, and, and your friend, I'm not going to say your name. You can, if you want to, but I don't want to like, you know, throw her out, out there, but I don't know. You're <laughs> listening. You know, oh, no. that like you guys are you're the generation after me. And unfortunately you guys found this out really young and also fortunately, like uh, unfortunately Unfortunately. you should have never had to go through this period. Yeah. Fortunately Mm -hmm. now here you two are two young people in Austin, which, I mean, I don't know about the queer community there, but you two can now model and now Mm -hmm. pump the brakes. And like, you know, the people who are, the people who are abusive, you know, they go on a date with one of you, you already know, they're just going to go out and find someone else and try again, right? But mm-hmm. seeing, like, what you told me was that, like, you saw your friend very early stages, and mm-hmm. you were like, no. And she was able to get out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just hope that, you know, more young people will will watch this on YouTube or listen to this podcast. We're going to share this like crazy mm-hmm. because like you said, this is so important. And you know, like the older generation and the ones who are like, you hauling has been around forever. And the people who are willing to like, and we don't hate you all. Like we, like she yeah. said, just please just listen, like let this, let this seed grow. Mm-hmm. I hope that the younger generation will be more receptive to that message and will realize and I think across the board, y'all are learning things a lot faster than we are. And like, what's not right about society and what, you know, you guys are speaking out about these things. And I just have so much hope for, for other people Me too. that this will eventually be a joke of the past. Like, oh my <laughs> gosh, how embarrassing that lesbians used to think that it was funny and cool to and like it was a competition to see who could move the yeah. fastest because the faster you move the more in love you are yeah ah, definitely not yeah yeah for sure I am I'm very hopeful to see those changes and I I believe it's possible so me too I mean kind of <laughs> I think you have more hope than me but here I am right <laughs> yeah we I'm trying to look on the bright side we'll see if not my maybe the next one you know (laughs) we'll just keep keep trying we'll just keep trying I don't know we got to have the hope with anything we got to have the hope so okay is there anything else it doesn't look like we're getting cut off so is there anything else you want to share I know I'm trying to think I we talked about so much that now I'm like what did I want to talk about um 
me take a quick look at your questions. I don't know. I guess not. I feel like any like kind of, you know, messages for anyone like going through it right now or just got out of it. I feel like I kind of said what I would have want to say while I was like talking about my experience. Um, but just as now since I you've given me this opportunity to be able to talk to people like there is if you're in it, um, there is possible. And I think that I in in the situation when I was in it myself, I remember you know, there would be those days where I would be so emotional and sad and I thought I was so in love with her. And But I would tell myself, like, I don't think I'll survive if I, I would rather be in this and be so miserable than live without whatever this is. And I don't know if I could do life without it. And I would tell myself all the time that there was just no way and I had to be okay with it. And I would just have to sacrifice everything in my life to stay with her because that's what I needed. And it's so, so possible and it's very scary and it's very hard, but just as like on a positive note, I found, this is so corny, but I think it's important. I found like a Snapchat I sent to someone the day after we broke up and I wrote like, I'm so exhausted. Like, and I, this just feels like so not worth it. And I better be so much happier in a few months and I am happier than I have been in years. And I think it's very important for people to hear that because I didn't believe that was possible when I was in it myself. So, yeah. So true. That is so mm -hmm. true. Well, thank you so much sure. for being on here and sharing your story and being vulnerable. Um, I know this is going to help other people. So yeah, mm -hmm. I cannot thank you much. Uh, no. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for having me. This is such an honor. Like when I got back from meeting you, I told like everyone in my life, I was like, you won't believe it. Like I'm having the craziest opportunity. And like it sounds silly, but you know how we say like fortunately, but unfortunately, like very unfortunate that it ever had to happen. But I feel very grateful that I can do something positive for other people through my experience. And that just feels like such a blessing regardless of the fact that I had to go through it and so I'm so grateful for this opportunity and I'm very excited to like hear about how it you know how it hopefully helps people and all of that so thank you awesome well thank you everyone for listening for hanging out today and hopefully you found this helpful and uh stay tuned for more who knows who else I'll have on here sharing their stories so yeah thanks again and I will see you all next week bye